This is the Macworld Podcast, episode 538 for December 14th, 2016. Welcome back to the Macworld Podcast, folks. I'm Glenn Fleischman, a senior contributor at Macworld, and Susie Oaks, executive editor of Macworld. Oh my God, Erpards! 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 We'll get to that in just a second, but first, a little follow up. Um, <laughs> Before we get to Erfords, uh, it's not, you know, it's just getting towards December. Usually quiet weeks in uh, the Apple world. Most of technology, if you're smart and you're a technology company, you don't try to announce and release things before Christmas. But we'll get to that in a second. Uh, just a little follow up. We talked, uh, I think it was just last week or was the week before about the calendar spam problem. I think it might have been two weeks ago because it happened bef- uh, uh, before Thanksgiving. American Thanksgiving. And um, Apple had already, you know, put out some uh, alerts. They told people, you know, we put up an article how to disable uh, receiving automatic or like automatically converting incoming iCloud email into calendar invites. uh, So you could turn that off as a feature. Apple threw some more filtering in. So it started blocking those kinds of things better. And now uh, we have the news from Apple that they've added a way to report calendar spam through iCloud.com. So you can't do it in the apps. Um, you can only do it at iCloud.com, which is inconvenient because I would gather most people don't use iCloud.com for email, but who knows, to read their email. Uh, but, um, th- you know, I haven't received any more of those spams. I've actually received relatively few spam of uh, any kind through um, iCloud since then. So maybe Apple, like, turned up the dial. Uh, have you seen any more of those weird, you know, Ugg boots? I- Never got any. Oh, you never so, got good. I mean, good I guess they figure if it's inconvenient to report, but they're going to cut weight, you know, they're going to prevent help. a lot of it. And then only a small percentage of the people who would get it would bother to report it. So, yeah, it's if not I that got bad. some, I would probably go to iCloud.com and report it just out of aggravation. Like, I want to not have this happen to other people and myself. Yeah. Um, Actually, related point. altruistic, you know, nerd, so. Related point on spam, just a side note is uh, Twitter did this big uh, purge a few weeks ago of. Um, they tightened and changed their policies. We talked about it a little bit and uh, made it easier to report accounts that were engaged in a bunch of kinds of hate speech. And in fact, I reported one incident against me. It was very minor, but it was pretty, you know, it was definitely what it was. And the account was suspended. Boom. Um, but I've also seen so much less garbage on Twitter. It's like, I think, I don't know. I don't, I'm not the subject of a lot of harassment, but uh, even the small level I receive, um, which is sort of steady, but small, it seemingly almost entirely disappeared. So. Awesome. Spam. It's the spam season. Um, another question I have, this isn't exactly a, a follow-up, but uh, I'm wondering if there's a backlog at Apple stores uh, in terms of getting repairs done and appointments. Um, my wife was trying to schedule, so she dropped her phone recently, her iPhone SE, and she said, no, it's cool. The screen protector took the damage. And I said, we don't have a screen protector on this phone. She's like, oh, no, because she'd had one on previous models. <clears throat> Excuse me. We'd forgotten there wasn't one on this. Um and she has, I think, never broken the glass on an iPhone before. I'm pretty sure it's been never. So, and I, I bought an Apple Care protection plan. I don't think they call it Apple Care Plus anymore. I just found it as APP everywhere um, app uh, for her phone. I buy it for all iPhones because even though buying insurance for hardware is often a bad deal, and people may, you may, Susie, even try to argue me out of it. I don't know. Are you going to argue me out of it? Is I never it buy extended warranties. <sighs> I always buy them. I always buy them for iPhones. Eighty percent profit for the companies who sell them. However, I always buy them for iPhones and laptops, but never for desktops or iPads. And the reason is because 
Um, every Apple laptop I've ever owned, I've needed, I think every one but one, I've needed extended like year two, year three major warranty repair, like keyboard, uh, display, motherboard, whatever. So I've, it's always paid me back like since I, I don't know, for like years mm-hmm. and years and years. So uh, I feel I've got my value. And the iPhone, I just think the new plan is, um, you know, it's $100 for the iPhone I think it's up through the iPhone 6 and SE, and then it's $129 for later phones. I remember right, 6 Plus and later. Uh, and um, you get two with the SE, at least, you get two incidents of accidental screen display breakage, right? And it's 29 bucks to get it fixed, which is a pretty good deal. So um, we went for that. But the thing is, we're trying to schedule an appointment, and I've heard this from other people too. We're going to you know, schedule a Genius Bar appointment at the Apple Store that is like two miles from us. And uh, the next appointment when we were trying to schedule on Monday morning was uh, Saturday afternoon. And it's a huge store. And so we look in the area and like the nearest, the closest appointment would be Thursday, like 8 p.m. at a store half an hour drive away. So forget it. But um, uh, and I looked around like they show you appointments at other stores and Apple service providers. And there's really like nothing in the entire Northwest. You'd have to go to Portland to get an appointment or I mean, sorry, nothing in Seattle or beyond. You have to go to Portland to get an earlier appointment and look even down to California. I'm just wondering if they're being slammed right now. Well, they have that um, uh, battery replacement program for 6S. And um, I think even the the 6, there was that touch disease thing. <laughs> I can't remember what people were calling it. Oh, yeah. It was the touch um, disease. Yeah. So, but but that, that I think was a smaller amount of phones. But the iPhone 6S um, battery replacement sounded like maybe it was affecting a lot of phones. Oh. And I think they also might, um, I don't think, I think they hold some appointments for walk-ins. So you might have better luck to walk in. And if they can't see you in, you know, the next 15 minutes or whatever a reasonable amount of time is, I don't know if your Apple store is in kind of a shopping center. They usually exactly, are, right? Yeah. Um, uh, at the store that I go to, um, which is also in a shopping center over in the friendly city of Emeryville, um, they will take your number and text you or call you. Um, so you can like, you know, go browse around, uh, get a coffee or whatever and come back when they're ready to see you. Um, so if you really are just like, ah, the screen's broken, this stinks, I'm cutting my fingers every time I try to swipe right. Um, you, you might have better luck just showing up. Oh, that's a good idea. We, what we think we're going to do is, um, because we still have her iPhone 5, which I've been using for testing because the battery went bad. One of the buttons went bad. It's not worth, you know, it's so old. It's not worth selling and fixing and selling. And I wouldn't sell it to someone without fixing it. So it's been my test, my backup test phone for iOS uh, uh, 10 because it'll run, you know, it's not super fast, but it actually runs pretty well. And um, it also has the same SIM card size. So what we're hoping to be able to do is back her phone up, restore it to the old iPhone 5. She'll just have to keep a charger, like a USB battery pack with her, um, swap the SIM in, and then actually send it back to Apple by mail. You know, get them to do a oh, yeah. box. Yeah, I mean, because that can then be... you don't have to go to the mall like well, two weeks before Christmas. <laughs> that's exactly it. There might be a backlog, but, you know, she's not desperate to have the SE, and this is the same form factor. So um, she'll just have to deal with a slower, weirder phone for a little bit, but have her phone number and all that. But it's it's interesting because I'm so, I'm so spoiled by having the store nearby and Apple being yeah. so responsive that I just, you know, I expect, well, I need a genius appointment. I can get it the next day. But I had uh, I have an iPhone 7 Plus that I got for the photography and I thought I'd bricked it. I'd done all the different things to try to restore it and it was totally dead during an update. And I tried to schedule an appointment weeks ago and it was like four or five days before I could get in just to have them, you know, 
basically I knew they were going to swap the phone. In the end, it turned out to be a USB-C problem. I probably mentioned I was unable to do the kind of emergency restore, like the um, uh, was a DFU reset or something. It's a complicated thing you have to do, but it would not work over USB-C cables of any kind. No way. That yeah. stinks. Uh-huh. And I'm not sure if it was oh. particular. I was using Apple's uh, USB-C to type A adapter and an Apple USB type A to lightning cable. So it wasn't even anything weird and could not get it to work. Plugged it into my Mac mini through directly through USB type A and uh, was able to restore it. Oh my God. So let's go on to the exciting news. Uh, we have a few different things we're going to talk about this week. So AirPods are out. We're going to talk about the OS updates and uh, a, a bunch of stuff with TV, uh, the new TV app and um, a few other things. So let's start with AirPods. Oh my God, AirPods. AirPods. I'm excited. I'm um, excited about the AirPods. Well, you've, now, have you had one for testing? I can't remember. You got to. No. Oh, I, well, I, I got to you gotta see, test it on try site. them in the, yeah, in the demo room um, there at uh, the events. And then that was it because uh, we didn't get a an embargo test phone from Apple. They sent us a seven plus for the camera testing um, and review after it was out, but we didn't like the, the people who got them early um, to, you know, review them for the, the first round of reviews, they all got ear AirPods and I was mad jealous and I still am. Um, <laughs> and I had, you know, like, I was like, okay, uh, I'm, I'm going to buy them at first. I was like, Oh, they're kind of expensive. And then as I educated myself a little more about those like new, truly wireless earbuds like that, they're really not, they're about like what, what they should be. And I was impressed by my, you know, hands-on time with, them so i was like okay like this is it like i'm gonna buy them with my own money and and wear them forever and try really hard not to lose them so um yeah so i jumped on it and bought and ordered some today apple's gonna get me some a little earlier because yeah the shipping is already sliding a little i jumped on them at i think 7 30 ish pacific time on tuesday um which is when i first heard and they were saying at the homepage of the Apple store, it was like, yeah, we're shipping these starting the 22nd, which is, you know, right in time for Christmas. But um, <laughs> I, when I put my order in, they were like the 29th of December is when I'm estimated to get those. And then I guess now it's out even more than that, like four to six weeks. Four so, weeks when you try to get them now, it says four weeks. But uh, they're going to get some, they get the bragging rights or not the bragging rights, but they get the thing to say, we had these out for Christmas. Them, they're shipped, yeah. Yep. Shipped before um, Christmas. You know, I, I was on uh, John Gruber's The Talk Show last week. If folks want to hear uh, he and I talk about indoor plumbing, uh, spoiler-free uh, version of uh, discussion of Westworld, and um, oh yeah, technology too. Um, we had a, what a long talk about the AirPods because John has uh, has some sources at Apple. People tip him to things, and he didn't have. Um, he's written about this on uh, during Fireball. Also, it like it seemed like. Something went terribly wrong when they scaled up for manufacturer is what it felt like because they had production units for reviewers. So those were, you know, early off the assembly line things. They didn't like hand make up sets of these, but they had a very small number. And my suspicion was when the delay happened, like, oh, you know, there's this incredible problem when you uh, take something from prototype into production. There's like all these stages as you get to where you start to make like a million or something. You make these small quantities, <clears throat> they test them in different ways, then they start moving more and more towards the actual thing that's being made. And what can happen is this dooms Kickstarter projects and it dooms uh, products from uh, multi-billion dollar companies too, uh, is that there's some part of the manufacturing process that didn't reveal itself that at large scale, scale manufacturer, it would be either erratic or inconsistent or it would resist automatic testing. So you'd 
you know, these, these things like in the case of AirPods, I am sure they come off the assembly line, they're hand inspected very quickly, and they're dropped into a machine that does a bunch of automatic testing. And the idea is, uh, you know, I don't have inside knowledge. Just know this is how manufacturing stuff works. There's some, um, they, you know, they'll pull samples to do a hand testing. And if then there's problems, they pull more samples, but everything goes through some kind of process to check that it actually works. And it's not, you know, if you're making a million or something, a human being is not touching each of those to, to test it. Anyway, so my suspicion was something happened some stage, either it turned out they couldn't make, like some connection didn't always get made, or when they did the automatic testing and then they tested samples of those, like our, you know, the yield was 70% instead of 93% or 99% or whatever they were looking for. Uh, and they had a, you know, they spent obviously weeks and weeks trying to solve whatever that problem was to get up to a yield where they could um, then manufacture them and release them and not be worried that people would get something that worked erratically or not at all. So that's Plus my suspicion. The problem, the problem could be the earbuds or the case. I mean, they, Apple's also making this charging case that the earbuds, like you just drop them in there and they'll charge. But I mean, that has to work every time. And then, you know, the case itself is like a little battery with a, with, you know, a charging port on the back. Do you charge so, it via lightning? Does it have a lightning port? Yes. Oh, okay. It has a little lightning okay. port on the back. And then I think there's a little indicator that where it'll, you know, light up how much charge it has left. Um, so yeah, the earbuds are supposed to last for five hours and then the, um, the charging case should be able to hold about 24 hours worth of charges. So, oh, that's amazing. Okay. Yeah. So there's a lot. It's there's it's pretty complicated. It's not just, you know, like, oh, like they, they ship the Beats earbuds. Why can't they ship these? Um, but it also is frustrating when they, you know, they said, like, don't worry about losing the headphone jack because we've got something for you that's going to solve that problem and be so amazing. And then, you know, you couldn't get it right away. So, but, you know, it happens. I'm excited to get them and we will review them on Macworld as soon as we can. And then uh, FYI, of course, Samsung is dropping the headphone jack from its flagship phone. And um, everyone's like, oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Headphone jacks are so, why would you know. need I a headphone jack? I think it's still jack? annoying. I'm going to see what, what, it'll be interesting to see when the when the, those reviewers get them, like what Samsung's, you know, in the box solution will be and what those yeah. reviewers will say. Because I think it was, I don't know, it was kind of... Like there's there's the backlash to the headphone jack being removed and I you know, I get it if you agree with that or disagree with that, but then there's like the backlash to the backlash. Like people are like, you know, wrong to be perturbed by it and like that that's so annoying. Well, I think it's making into like a deal. It's like this is I mean, it's a I think no headphone jack is a deal breaker if you don't ship an adapter, which they did. Yeah, yeah, the and the adapter's fine. Like I've only really been caught without, you know, being able to do something that I used to be able to do that I couldn't do. Like I've only mm -hmm. really been caught like once or twice since I've gotten my phone, that's which is pretty a, good. Yeah, that's pretty good. But I you know, my thinking too is that I think the AirPod um uh, John's statement is the AirPods were been undeveloped for under development for like 3 years, right? So they have been trying to time these and the way um iPhone and other manufacturing schedules work. I mean, this is the iPhone seven features were locked in seven and seven plus um, long in advance, obviously, because they need mm -hmm. a lot of time to ramp up to get to production in quantity. So, you know, the AirPods ostensibly worked reliably enough, like a year or more ago that they were willing to take the headphone jack out and rely on them. So something that intervening time, it was really a problem. My thinking is had they had the airport pods out, let's say in April of this year, Apple had an event and they said, oh, and here's one more thing. The new AirPods, the AirPods eliminate the need to have a headphone jack. 
You can have one on your phone or not, but the AirPods work so magnificently, you won't even want one anymore, right? And then six months later, they removed the headphone jacket and everyone's like, oh, well, the AirPods are already a solution and they ship yeah. a lightning and Apple could have also – and oh, and they're shipping a free adapter. Like if all that had come out in this right sequence – People, the amount of like outrage and anger and disappointment and confusion, like all of that would have been reduced. But I think, I don't know if the AirPods slipped and I think they meant to introduce them at the same time, but I still think if those had existed and been like, you can get high quality uh, wireless ones designed specifically to work with the iPhone. But I, I think, I don't know if the iPhone needed changes to better support the AirPods because the AirPods have that custom chip. Um, so I don't know if that is part of the issue, but the AirPods work with any iPhone, right? Or most iPhones? Um, oh, they work over yeah, Bluetooth, I think they, though. I think they go back a ways. Yeah, yeah. Right. But so, so I mean, there's, they, a, there's... Yeah, they will work as regular Bluetooth, you know, headphones. You can pair them to other devices. There's chicken and egg there, but it just seems like Apple almost set us set themselves up for people yeah. to be irate because they could have, again, they could have... There, there's so many ways they could have hinted or leaked that an adapter would... Like, if everyone knew in July... That a free adapter, a Lightning 2 analog adapter, was going to be included with the phones. If that had been leaked out strategically, I think it would like, have here's also a picture diffused. of it. Yeah. yeah, I mean that kind of thing. Like that, they do that. We know they do that to major publications. So anyway, well, let's move on, shall we? Um, well, I had one more thing. AirPod, <laughs> AirPods, AirPod, AirPod. Now I just forget. Um. AirPods, they're an amazing advancement. Well, Be then we hear also yesterday that uh, Monday that Beats uh, has a headphone set that's being delayed. I forgot about that, right? Beats has got uh, the X, I think. The yes, X, and so those have been pushed back as well. Earphones, headphones, hard to make. Um, so speaking of updates, things happening. Uh, OS, lots of OS releases. So while we're recording this, OS 10 is about to ship like imminently as we record. Or uh, sorry, Mac OS. Excuse me. Twenty six minutes to a Mac OS bum, 10 bum, update. We're giving you the inside baseball on how this is made. Uh, I yeah. got a little briefing. So technically, I'm not allowed to tell you this. Only the, you know through the magic of podcast uh, editing, you're not going to hear this until much like long after the embargo. So here's the scoop. Um, that's no longer a scoop. <gasps> so you know how there's been these new MacBook Pros and some people are very happy with them and some people are having some glitches. There were some graphical glitches and there were some people reporting that the battery life was not um, as they expected it to be. And we couldn't reproduce most of that in the office. Um, Roman's been hammering the GPU of the 15-inch model we have here. And he did maybe run into some stuff where it wasn't switching. So the, the 15-inch model model has the AMD GPU and also an Intel um, GPU and it'll go back and forth um, as, as other MacBooks have done. Um, there might be some kind of software hang up there. And so Apple says that 10.12.2, which is the update coming out um, Tuesday as we're recording this, um, will fix that graphics issue. That shouldn't be a big deal. Um, some of the MacBooks shipped with system integrity protection disabled. It'll fix that too. Yeah, that's, so you don't that's have bad. to go in and turn it back on well, yourself. Sidebar there, the issue is if you get a Mac without SIP enabled, you don't know. I mean, it's it's a chicken and egg thing. If you get one, you don't know at what point in the um, the process SIP was disabled. So if you know that Apple only – if Apple images the Macs and SIP is enabled at 
the factory, then you don't need to worry ostensibly that at any, any intervening point, anything's happened to the computer that would have changed critical system files and certain directories that system integrity protection protects. So if you get a computer and SIPs disabled, it's like, wait a minute, like at what point in the process was this not protected? It's It has that sense of like, you know, your computer being intercepted in the mail. So anyway, it's good that they fixed that. Um, yeah, so... Oh, okay. Yeah. The big news, though, is that um, so Apple was looking into the battery um, reports and they didn't really find anything wrong, which is like, I, you know, we, we, we haven't found anything, but obviously we only have two MacBooks. Apple's getting a lot of data from tons of MacBooks and they're not really seeing it. But the th- problem might be that um, well, one thing they think it might be is that uh, the battery remaining Um, thing is just like wildly misleading so you have sort of two ways to show how much battery you have left there's the percentage which you can show in the menu bar that's still there in this new update but the new update is removing the time remaining estimate because from all Macs not just the new ones um, as far as I know, yeah, I think it's just coming out because um, they said that you know it's just it's it's and they, and they said they want to be better about communicating what your Mac's doing in the background, so you sort of know a little more what's going on because they're th- they're saying that these reports are coming from Macs that maybe they're doing a lot of like iCloud syncing, especially when you first start up and it's like checking everything. Um, if you and especially when you have a new Mac, like these can some of these things like spotlight indexing and facial recognition when you're you know um, setting up photos for the first time, that can take days and that can like hurt your your battery life the whole time so if you don't know that's going on and you're seeing just all kinds of i mean i don't really use a lot of these icloud services and i restarted my mac this morning and the battery percentage has been you know going down which is the only way it can go when you're not plugged in but my percentage of my you know time estimating has been going up the whole time it started at like two and a half hours right when i was at like 86 percent battery left so like that's clearly inaccurate and then 20 minutes later I checked it and it was like oh now you have like three hours and 45 minutes when we started the podcast 22 minutes ago it was giving me four hours now I have 80% remaining and it's estimating eight hours remaining so it's really looking at us that estimate is based on a snapshot of what your Mac is doing like that very second so if it's doing a lot it's going to say I can only keep this up for another two hours and you're going to go oh no but you're only really going to be doing that for another like minute so so Apple's just like look it's trash it's never going to be accurate and we're just going to get rid of it so but that might annoy people that's one of those things where it's like it's a good move overall but it's also like what and I just I I think people are gonna be annoyed by this, but maybe I'm just really easy to annoy these days. I'm willing to put that possibility out there. Well, it's a funny problem because this is like the uh, time left for install uh, percentage display bar, which has never meant anything. In fact, some developers who at various points across the history of the progress bar uh, in various operating systems and programs, or whatever, have said it's really meaningless. Like we don't actually calculate anything. We just show yeah. it. We show it moving. They show it inching a little bit, and then right. like, and like at ni- the very end, and like ninety. You know, the ninety-five percent doesn't mean anything. There's, it's not ninety-five percent of time or tasks. It's just we decided to show ninety-five percent at that point in the process, right? <laughs> so um, you don't give up on us. Yeah, yeah, but it's weird with the battery thing. With the number of devices Apple has to test, and even they could be gathering and sending anonymous information with user permission of 
what the correlation is on different devices between what uh you know, the percentage time and how rapidly it depletes. And they could, um, you know, based on certain tasks that are running. So I don't even think they have to use machine learning. They could kind of crowdsource it, yeah. Well, yeah, because crowdsourcing would work versus, like, if, you know, if you've got information from 100,000 machines running Adobe InDesign and you can watch while people have InDesign in the foreground, how rapidly battery depletes or Photoshop or whatever, if you have the snapshot associated with apps, you can then put together a full picture and have like a little database that is not even that sophisticated that looks at There's major apps and so behavior. There's so much you'd have to correct for though. I, I know, mean, but like they can... screen brightness, what you're connected yeah, to, yeah, like all... what they... the temperature of the room is. They like, have it's computers. Just so much. They yeah, have yeah, computers. I know. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of data. Is... That would be a fun like big data project. Yeah, well, it feels it's like something probably that not really done. worth it. They could just take it out and be like, hey, you don't have it anymore. Well, right, because I mean, that that is <laughs> the thing. Like, I think they they told people how much time was left to give people a sense of what time they had to complete their tasks. But if the sense is always wrong, I mean, has it ever been right? Like, I don't remember any Mac I've ever, I mean, I always look at it. I think I have, I think I have percentage displayed. I don't think I ever display time remaining because it's always wrong, but percentage helps me see. And if I'm looking at it, it was like 90%. I look back, look up 10 minutes later, it's 80%. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to have much time doing what I'm doing to get through this. Um, there's also the factor that batteries age. And so my 2015 12 inch MacBook, which I bought right when it was released and around, I think I got it in April, 2015, it's battery capacity is down to, I think it's 85% now. And I use a battery utility for uh, testing uh, USB battery packs, USB-C battery packs. And um, so I'm very aware of uh, how much battery life I have because I'm trying to look at the um, capacity left and so forth to test and see what capacity various batteries I work with have. And anyway, it's it's just a thing that like over time, your battery, as it uh, can hold less power, you have a different kind of curve of what's going to happen too, or if there's any discontinuities or problems, sometimes you can have a battery that works fine, but it drops like 10% in a matter of moments because of um, internal issues. So it doesn't overcharge because of the problems. So they're keeping the percentage, they're getting rid of the time remaining. But the thing that I do like that they've done, I think pretty recently, I can't remember when this was added, but um, when you click the battery um, in indicator in your menu bar, there's a thing that will show you apps using significant energy. So like if your fan's on or you're just like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm, I, I have an hour's left to work and, and my battery's at like 15% and I'm worried, um, you can kind of check there and say like, oh, for some reason, you know, Chrome or Safari or Slack or something is using a lot of energy. Maybe you don't need that. You can shut it down. So that's really a nice thing that they do. What I would like to see is um, I think they should do some kind of little battery utility or battery test. Like there are third party ones you can get, but mm -hmm. I think if there was one from Apple, that would really help. Because I mean, in the briefing, they said that they wanted to make communication better um, about some of these things. So people just had a better idea of what was going on. They're like, you know, your computer isn't acting unexpectedly, but we, you know, we want to help you <laughs> expect something a little more reasonable. So... So I think that would be cool if they, if they I don't know if they should put it in in disk utility or system information or something. And there is a little info in system information, but I would like it if they had a little utility that you could like run a test and say like, oh, this has, um, you know, this much percent remaining. I you you got to think that the genius guys have something like that. I've seen it running on an iPhone, and I've just never seen it running on a Mac. But I assume that they have one. It would be nice if they made a consumer-facing little test that you could do to kind of check up on your battery and, and be oh. reassured that it's it's not like a piece of crap. Well, you know the option trick, right? 
Hold on option key and it will show you if the battery, the battery's condition. Hold on option and click the battery, uh, the yeah. power thing. Well, so it just it'll... says condition normal, you know. Oh, so... well, no, when it fails, it says condition bad. I mean, I got, because, right. <laughs> I mean, that's not the same thing, although you'll get an alert. And then when you click that, it opens Mac Help and it'll give you, okay, so it'll say normal, replace soon, replace now, or service battery. Exactly. And so my wife. Okay, so it does a little bit. It's, but it, and it'll alert you when the condition changes. I think you get a pop up at that point, too, and then you can click it. It'll, like, it'll it changes the color. And uh, my wife got that recently. She was having a problem with the battery on her laptop, which I've forgotten how long, how old it is. Um, she has the problem, which I have the same thing with laptop keyboards. She, I mean, some of her keys are actually eaten away because she types a lot. Yeah. And so do I. My 2015 MacBook, 12-inch MacBook, it's a year and a half old. Some of the keys are illegible already, which I find unacceptable. And because I bought AppleCare for my laptop, I'm going to complain about it at some point soon and say, this is not, you know, this isn't normal wear and tear. Like the keys should not wear out within a year and a half. You got to be kidding me. I'm going to get them to replace it because uh, I, I don't think there's an argument that typing should dissolve keys. It's a, it's a, I mean, and I've had certain Apple laptops where the keys have maintained legible and good for many years, others not. So there's manufacturing issues there. Uh, right. And there is a lot of information about your battery actually in system information. Um, if you look under the hardware section, you click on power um, and it'll tell you the cycle counts of your battery. Um, again, that condition um, and then, you know, what the amperage and voltage are. And then it also has a little listing of all your system power settings. So you can look at that just sort of at a glance and be like, oh, my disk is set to sleep after five minutes. I, I want to change that and uh, head to system preferences. Um, so yeah, they, they give you some information. It would be cooler, I think, if it was all collected in one place. But um, it may, and and that sounds like it's kind of something that that Apple's looking at. Um, other things in this update, um, they said that they want to uh, make the alerts better for things like iCloud um, document syncing. Um, like if you sync a desktop, and if you have, you have more than one Mac, like the desktop on one of your Macs. Well, the desktop files changed and people were like, oh, where did my desktop files go? Because it wasn't really clear about what was going to happen. So so they want to make those alerts and notifications um, better um, so people know what's going on with that. And then also with um, optimized storage alerts, they're going to explain better um, when your Mac starts getting full, you're going to get better alerts about what's going to happen there. Um, just so people are less surprised about these iCloud features that I'm still, you know, a little leery of myself. So that, that that's all good stuff. We'll be testing that. Well, so there are also updates to um, tvOS on Monday, updates to tvOS, iOS, and uh, watchOS came out. And this is where we get, and, and this combined with the macOS uh, 10.12.2 update uh, means we get the TV app uh, on three, three of those devices, on iOS, tvOS, and Mac OS and the TV app is a little confusing. It replaces the video app, so that's gone. Um, and it, it shows, replaces it from iOS, yeah. And uh, there is no video app on um, on uh, Mac OS, right? I mean, there's iTunes. This is sort of a new app. Um, when, uh, the way they're presenting it, right? It's just a new separate app in the Mac. Um, well, we haven't gotten the Mac update as of this recording, so, right. so yeah. But exactly. I think it's gonna—I think it's gonna probably change the iTunes interface a little bit. But we'll we'll follow up on that. Oh, that's right. You know, I'm I'm blank. I'm saying this wrong, right? It's really iOS and tvOS, but we're not sure how yeah. it's gonna affect. Of course, right? MacOS because you're you're using the iOS uh, the iTunes interface. So um, I've worked a little bit with the iOS and tvOS. Uh, 
virgins. And so part of the, so what one of the, one of the pieces of news that came out since our last podcast was um, Apple announced you know uh, with the earlier this year before. T- the uh, second uh, release of TVOS came out. They said, hey, we'll do single sign-on. That thing that we promised, it's going to happen. Like, great, it's coming later. Okay. And single sign-on means you sign into your uh, content provider, like a cable company or a satellite company or whatever, or th- or an online TV provider like Sling TV. You sign into that, and then all of the different apps that require a some kind of service subscription – recognize that. And so companies have to update the apps and Apple has to integrate it and all that. But the idea is if you're say an Xfinity Comcast subscriber, you sign in once and then you never have to re-authenticate yourself to all these different things that your TV know your TVOS or iOS knows that you're a blah subscriber, right? Right. So then it got announced and it turns out <laughs> like Xfinity isn't part of it. Time Warner isn't part of yet. it. You know, yet. Right. Yeah. Yet. It's we a don't slim know. picking so far. Yeah, it's like it's direct Telecom. TV. Yeah. Yeah. So I, mean, direct I think TV those isn't, direct guys TV will isn't come... small. And direct TV and Dish are part of it. And CenturyLink Prism, which is a very small provider, but it's in a lot of areas because CenturyLink has a bunch of territory. But it's um, anyway. Yeah. So it, no, it doesn't have seemingly the major cable providers. Well, they have to share data. I mean, I, I enabled it last night with Sling and um, you have to click through like several sc- or there are you know, several screens of like privacy, you know, things and, and, and it's sharing data. So I think that might be the the whole, I mean, you know, who knows what the holdup is, but but yeah, so they're rolling it out and it, it only has a few to start. But I mean, with a lot of the things like this that Apple rolls out, I could see them adding them pretty quickly. Um, but so here's the thing. It sounds like it's awesome for people who aren't cord cutters, because, you know, if you have Dish or, or a cable, like most of those are going to be cable subscriptions. But there already are a couple over the top online only things. Um, I don't expect... You know, some of those to work like I would be shocked if PlayStation View like showed up in in single sign on. But Sling TV is there. okay? and I have a Sling TV account and this has basically made my wildest dream come true, which is so. So I I, I went to Sling TV and I signed in. I I signed in single sign on. And then there's a thing saying, like, show me all the apps that are compatible with this service, with the service that I have that I've now authenticated on a TVOS wide level. It only showed me one app, but it was the best app of all. Oh, yeah. It was FX Now, which <laughs> contains Simpsons World, and I now have access on my Apple TV to every single episode of The Simpsons. And I went woohoo, and I did the little like woo 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 like dance not, around my thing. Yeah, it was amazing. Could so you not like that's them? what I've always wanted. Yeah, yeah you, no, I was in. Could you not authenticate before with the Simpsons World app? I it's it's the FX Now app FX and now, uh, I hadn't I hadn't downloaded it and tried because like wh- how would ah, I know that that was that, that was supported by Sling TV like my Sling TV login so far has only been good for Sling TV and Sling TV's Apple TV app I must say is pretty much what Apple is trying to do with the TV app so you go to it it has you can quickly uh, pick up on anything that you've left off on you can search 
any channel across the whole service. And then it has, it'll jump to live sports. There's a whole menu that'll show you all the games going on now. And you can save channels to like your favorites list and jump right to those. And then it shows you an unfortunately like hard to scroll, like side scrolling list of everything you have access to. So the only thing you're missing from Apple's TV app implementation is their like, you know, hand curated list of like things they think you might be interested in, which I know it just launched but it showed me the Simpsons like oh eight gosh. times in there and I'm like yeah it's I'm very, aware of the Simpsons like every boring. single thing it was like it was like top TV the Simpsons TV trending the Simpsons like just all the stuff I was like yeah I know I know so anyway like very and, and I'm a big too. Simpsons fan as everyone who listens to this podcast yeah, it, was, knows. it was very generic though I should distinguish it was I think it should get better it just launched yeah. I'm being very harsh but so the Sling TV app it's like I had this whole like nice little kingdom of TV and we watch a lot of stuff in there but um, yeah, the TV app is, I, I like how the, the single sign-on has kind of broken me free. So now I can go to the FX Now app and watch all the Simpsons I want. There's a really nice interface over there. It's nice to have that choice. So I was playing around with Apple's TV app. Um, so far, it supports Hulu. And so I have all my Hulu stuff in there. I want to break in one second, though, because I realized I misspoke earlier that uh, the t- single sign-on and TV app are two separate things. Yeah, I, those I are say, two separate features. I was think I was just saying a few minutes ago, I think I was describing them as being part of the same thing. The TV app, because single sign-on affects a whole set of apps are already connected, so you will take advantage of single sign-on, including like the FX app, and it works only with certain providers. The TV app works independently of that. It takes advantage of any apps you have that are providing their listings to the TV app, which doesn't include Netflix, but includes others. So TV app is like a guide to find things. Single sign-on is a is a authentication process for access to all the stuff that ostensibly you should have access to with that provider. So sorry, but I want to make sure I'm not, I didn't conflate things for listeners who are now going, well, now you can say, oh. Yeah. So yeah. So the TV, yeah, it's exactly. They're they're very separate. So I have single sign-on with the Sling app, but the Sling TV app isn't part of, isn't, you know, yet integrated with the TV app. With So with Apple's TV app, it'll show me what I've left off on and you can add things to like your kind of, you know, sort of system-wide queue, but it's not really system-wide. It's like, you know, whatever supported. So there's no Netflix yet, but there is Hulu. Um, and then everything I'm watching in Sling like still stays in Sling. But when I'm using FX Now, that app to watch The Simpsons, you know, which again, I've signed in with my Sling credentials, um, the FX Now app is supported by Apple's TV app. So that I can, you know, jump right back into the episode I left off in directly from the what's now, I mean, the the what's next uh, screen of the TV app. And Apple kind of want to make, wants to make that your, your home screen a little bit. So the the button on your Siri remote that has the little picture of a TV on it, um, you used to be able to press that and get a shortcut like back out to the home screen of your Apple TV interface. Now that button defaults to going to the what's next screen of the TV app. So Apple's always going to steer you like back into that TV app to say like, oh, here you can pick up on anything you left off on Mm -hmm. and I'll suggest you some things and you can get to your library of like purchased and rented things from here. Um, so 
And then you have to press that button again to go all the way out to your, you know, grid of apps. So Apple thinks you're going to want to start in that Apple TV app. It's only one more button. I think you are too. It's only one more button press if you don't want to. So, you know, that, that that's pretty cool. Somebody pointed out it's weird that they'd actually released a remote control with a button for an app that didn't exist. And then later they released the app. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, like that, and and that I use that button to turn my TV off too. Like you press and hold it, and then you get the little sleep icon, and you click the trackpad, and it puts your Apple TV to sleep, and then yeah. it also switches my connected TV off. So I dig it. I that love started that. working for me. You know, for a while, for some reason, even though I have uh, HDMI dash CEC, and it's all connected, for a while I couldn't get um, the the home button or the TV button did not actually power my TV and the Apple TV on at the same time. And at some point, several months ago, I don't even know uh, when this happened, suddenly it started to work. It's And so maybe Apple released an I mean, update. any button on the Siri remote, I can just pick it up and hit any button and my TV will pop on. And then I just use that TV button to turn it off. It worked for me. But I, I think the TV app, I mean, my my comment, and we talked about this as, as longtime listeners remember, is when I saw the TV app, I thought, well, that's really what the tvOS should be it should be a series of apps that's or screens kind of what like it is that. on like a fire TV yeah, like the fire like, TV has a really nice home screen and that's exactly what it does I don't want I mean the app oriented interface I think is Apple's biggest problem is that it is it is stuck into a mindset in which people see a lot of apps and I think TV uh, I think watchOS that was the problem with watchOS one it was hey here's a bunch of apps in, an, in a, a screen it's like well no I don't want the apps I want things to do and uh, I think iOS still suffers from that. The springboard where you see all the pages and pages of apps, mm-hmm. I th- still think is a sucky way to sort the fact that you have to do all the sorting. If you have 50 apps installed, they want you to drag crap into folders. Don't do that to me. I'm a human. You have computer resources. <laughs> or like don't take Well, those like Siri app suggestions are getting pretty good. It's usually pretty good at guessing what, what of the four apps it shows me at any given time, like the chances that I want one of those four is pretty high. But it's using Siri. Apple is using Siri as a bandage to like it's like a, yeah, a workaround to a fundamental Google interface of problems. Yeah, they have. To, I mean, Apple really has to rethink its interface, and I think TV app is the first step towards that. Because I'm not saying that you shouldn't have access to an app, a screen of apps or folders or whatever. But to me, on the TV, that is the least efficient way. I want to know what's available, even if it's uh, a grid listing for crying out loud. Like um, I use the Channels app, which has only gotten better and better. Channels lets you. Uh, there's an iOS and a uh, tvOS version. It lets you tune live TV through a um, uh, what are they call silicon dust. Uh, no, what's the name of it? It's it's a it's an over the air tuner for uh, network tuner. Uh, yeah, silicon mm-hmm. dust. I'm sorry. They make these uh, devices that you plug in on Ethernet and you plug it into an antenna, and one version takes a cable card, and then you can tune live broadcasts. And you can, if you've got DVR software, you can record through it, but um, you can use this channels app for it. Channels app downloads a grid. You can look at um, TV programming, switch among it. And it's not that I think TV, the TV uh, OS should have a grid because it doesn't make any sense when you have a million choices, but just the ability to look through what's available, I think is, is great. And my thinking is like TV OS is a start, but I almost think there's like, it should be, uh, you know, TV programming, movies, sports, games, and maybe something else. And, I should be able to switch between those. Like if that, if I wanted, that could be my primary interface, and I could dive down into apps or hit a button to scan through apps or use Siri to launch apps. But 
really, I'm not like, well, let's see, do I need the uh, MLB app or the NHL app or the you know ESPN app? It's like, I want to watch this thing now, or I want to know what's on. And I feel like, you know, this, the TV app is sort of realizing what TVOS should be. Yeah. And I think if they are really trying to get to uh, a bundle, that's probably the goal because again, that's exactly how Sling works. Like I have a bundle and then it just shows me like you have access to all this, like here's all the sports that are on now. Here's the sports coming up. Like, so and the same with movies. And then if I want to drill down and only see HBO, I can see that, but it'll lump it all together if I just want to see like what's on right now that I can watch. So yeah. And I mean, that's kind of the trend in tech now too, is you don't have to go in and find things like things should just be like laid out, you know, at your feet, like exactly when you want them before you even knew you wanted them. So I think Apple's got, you know, a big opportunity to do that with, with the TV and, and that's what they're trying for. And, there it's not you know exactly there yet because i mean again it's it's sort of separating people into like the haves and have nots again (laughs) with like cord cutting because if you have a subscription and and a lot of these apps are are um supported the tv app is going to be pretty robust like right away like i was really delighted to see fx now which was the app that i only downloaded again because it worked with my sling login um i never would have downloaded it otherwise but you know tvos was like oh this works with your service why don't you get it and then i was really delighted to see it pop up in the in, in the tv app so so if you have a login and you already have access, like if I had direct TV access, I have to assume that I would have access to a lot more than FX now. I would have all of those like cable network channels and then the TV app would be really great. Like, so right now I'm a cord cutter. I have Sling. I'm very lucky to have Sling. It's, it's you know, it's it's not cheap. Um, and then I also have Netflix and Hulu and Amazon. Okay, so Amazon's still not there. Netflix isn't playing this game right now because right. they probably don't want to share data and Hulu is there. So right now I have Hulu, I have my iTunes library which is kind of big because I buy kids movies like it's going out of style and then I have... It's um, literally going out of style to buy kids movies, so you're right. I, yeah, I mean the kids are getting older and those movies are adorable. Aww. So um, yeah, we watch a lot of Toy Story. I just bought all the Harry Potter movies. They were on sale for like 65 bucks for the what? bundle. Was like, also, I'm subscribed to uh, HBO Now and HBO uh, right now and HBO now has i think all of the harry potter films so i may do a rewatch i, I yeah. got it i got it for uh westworld it's so but this is where i think this is where it's like insidious in a good way and i think I've, I've talked about this on previous episodes like i was trying to find some new stuff to watch netflix we were barely using it so we canceled netflix even though it's only a few dollars a month i'm like i'm not going to pay nine or ten dollars a month for something i'm not using that is how netflix makes its money they don't need my money i subscribe to hulu with an ad-free version of course because i am going to pay for that <laughs> And uh, it's 12 bucks a month, I think, now. So that's and, in there. And I watched, uh, you know, I wanted to start watching Adventure Time with my kids. They were not so into it. I was. So I have now, I binged Adventure Time and I watched uh, one of my kids, Rex, is was amazed. He's like, wait, how many episodes? And I'm like, I think it's 237 episodes and they're about 10 something uh minutes each and he's like so you watched 40 hours how long did it take you to i'm like well you know i was sick and then i was i've had some free time like actual spare downtime so you can watch a couple episodes you know so i watched all of adventure time i wanted to watch westworld like well i'll subscribe to hbo now i don't need to have a cable thing it's month at a time and i think the tv app is going to accelerate that like if i knew there was a network i could use and i could find all the stuff easily and it's integrated it's like well maybe i'll cancel Hulu, get Netflix, 
Well, and who goes is to the in stuff there? I want. Ne- Netflix is not. Right, so, exactly. So, so when, I, when Netflix or if so, Netflix goes there, HBO Now is in it too. I mean, that's nice. Right. So the thing that I was saying was that, um, so it, it, it now it's like you know if you have cable you already it's it's already going to be like a completely different more robust experience using this tv app the thing i'm really worried about is once apple um launches their own service if it's going to be like now when you try to use itunes as a non-apple music user and you just feel like kind of a second-class citizen because it's so tailored to like using their service and only their service that i mean I, i don't think they'll like stop supporting you know other things like hulu and stuff in there but but you know it it might be like you're trying to use you know a a table with two legs or something i I, when they launch their service this tv app might be just you know only good for people who really get that listen a table with two legs is just fine if the table is attached to the wall yeah they have those ikea don't talk now something my grandfather taught me and i'm just going to share this with everybody right now it's really important because we were in the furniture business for many, many years. My family is the furniture business. It's much easier to level a three-legged table than a four-legged table. I'm done. That's it. Just remember that, folks. <laughs> my yeah, when my- people say a third wheel, like that's incorrect because a third wheel stabilizes the crap out of any right. vehicle you put a third wheel on. The expression is actually a fifth wheel. But think about it. Three, three which legs. Which really adds nothing. Three legs good, four legs bad, just to paraphrase Orwell. Third wheel good, fifth wheel bad. Uh, People misuse wheel, that all the time. You can use the fifth wheel to turn though. The four wheels idioms. can be fixed and the fifth one can like be your rudder. Um, speaking of rudders, <laughs> we're getting rudderless. So just a couple other, uh, I think that there's a new emoji. New emoji, like a scary clown emoji, which is appropriate, 2016. What do we I'm need so in 2016? I'm so happy. I've had these emoji for a while with the betas and it's been like every time I'm going to text people emoji, I have to stop and think like wait are they going to be able to see like no one can see the scary clown so i'm really glad that now no it's one. like scary clowns all over the place Susie, everyone can see him Susie, no one can ever see the scary clown yeah <laughs> scary clown 2016 can't sleep clown emoji might eat me yep um what's what's your favorite new emoji i oh gosh i haven't spent enough time Looking at them, I usually like the new animal I ones. I shamelessly reposted my emoji guide that I made from the beta. The I'm only ki- one they changed was they made the peach look more like a butt again. I'm kind. Of, oh, that was good. Thank you, Apple. I'm kind <laughs> of. Uh, I kind of like the um, the David Bowie one. Is awesome. The David Bowie one is amazing. I'm so glad you said that. It's really sweet. That's and the it's best sweet. one. It's like the best. Tri- it's the best tribute. I and do there's get- a guy and a lady. Like there's yeah. the chicks we're, can be David Bowie too, which we're I love. Definitely, there is a, there's a huge problem though, which is that, and I I mean this very seriously. Like, like the the fact is, it's great to get gender parity, and then we're now very rapidly moving to an age in which the recognition of non-gender binaries and other you know like parts in the three-dimensional spectrum of human identity are now po- not represented. Like it's not like having mm. male-only icons was good, um, but having it said like I read a lot of things that say, well now both genders are represented. I'm like okay, uh, let's you know now we need to back still up. Still problematic. Like, it's hard. And it's hard though. <laughs> I know, this, is, I know. this is part of the like Someday everyone, we'll get there. change happens really fast. And when I you know when I grew up, the idea that we could talk comfortably about a bunch of stuff we can now, and that most people in America, in fact, accept a lot of stuff we talk now is great but like that is that's going to be an issue and unicode is an international thing but like having a gender neutral icon even if you don't say non-gender binary i think having an icon that has 
that has no association with gender to allow uh, that fluidity, I think would be a good thing too. So we might see that. One of the interesting things is that um, Unicode uses this thing called uh, zero with join, uh, ZWJ. So it lets it have backward compatibility. So a lot of yeah. things they build as it's like man icon plus, you know, uh, farm equals farmer. And if there's a farmer emoji, which there is now, then you get a male farmer. And so before when there were no, when they didn't have female versions of a lot of professions, they, um, you could you could do female plus whatever, and it wouldn't show. But then once those icons became available, then suddenly the correct emoji um, appears. So you could have they could expand into a non-binary or um, you know gender neutral uh, uh, attribute instead of just man and woman. Use yeah. zero, zero with join, and then you could use that plus things to make sense. And then over time. As more are drawn and added to the set, then those simply replace it and they become just a part of emoji. And I think that's, you know, that's clearly something that will eventually happen. But boy, it's a big, it's a big process. So we can, you know. Yeah, count- when I first got 10.2, I was texting all the new emoji to Caitlin and she was uh, sending me back screenshots that were like, oh, okay, so this one just shows up as a blank square. But yeah, some of the other ones like that were, you know, new new gender options for things that existed or like ones that were kind of a combination of new ones, um, of, of like existing ones. Those were showing up, yeah, as like two emoji kind of squished together. Um, but then, but yeah, there were a bunch of them that just weren't showing up. So now, so now I can text her everything, the bacon, the, the avocado, the water polo guy i'm gonna tell you i found an error on mac world i know this is horrible but on slide seven of the new emoji it shows the beta peach not the final peach i know if you read the text that accompanies it like i link out i just didn't remake the screenshot but yeah i do explain that they brought back the old peach that looks more um the uh i'll put in a new slide that just shows the 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 evolution of the peach through the betas um the dancer icon bothers me a bit because it's sort of, I feel like the previous one expressed exuberance. The new one is like, it's a little more sexuality than I think is what people use that for. It's a lot more leg. I like, a I can see the shoes. Yeah. I mean, it's, but it's like, so it's not inappropriate. It's just, I think it changes the meaning of the icon where it's like, I've had this, I wrote this piece when uh, the 10 of uh, the uh, previous round of redrawings happened earlier this year for, for you. Thank you very much for Macworld about, like the representational thing that they went from this uh, like less human proportioned, more cartoony version that let you project a little more. And then these are sort of more specific. Like they actually feel like you're looking at almost like a representation of a person, like a model in an ad, as opposed to something you can project yourself on. I think the, the, uh, the dancing uh, woman figure is exactly that. Like it's gone from, um, being something that's generic and expresses exuberance to now being so rendered that it's very specific. And so it lacks the same utility it had before. And I'm Umberto Echo for Semiotic Talk. <laughs> this has been Semiotics, Semiotic World. Um, I, love, uh, I love food emoji. I love whenever they add them because it's just so much fun to uh, be able to. What's your favorite? Did I ask you what your favorite emoji is? I'm sorry. What's yours? Um, favorite new one? Oh, my favorite new one? Oh, geez. I still like the lion one from last time. The lion and the unicorn. The lion just, one is so it was cute. very sweet. It looks like a the lion, the way it's drawn, looks like a, a cat dressed as a lion or a dog dressed as a lion as opposed to a lion. So it's sort of adorable. I'm really happy about uh, Peach Sign. 
I mean, peace sign. And then, uh, of course, the David Bowie one is amazing. Right uh, the shrug one is pretty good, but I have a text expander snippet for like the shrug, you know, emoticon. So I use yeah. that a lot. I, I haven't gotten sick of that yet. Um, and then the, the neat whiskey just makes me want to drink. So I remember going back uh, earlier this year when I was looking at the icons that they hadn't updated. And it's really fascinating. Um, if on this Smack World piece that has a bunch of slides, you can see before and after. And it's really interesting to see the choices made. So, like, the and part of it is they're more, the new ones are more 3D, right? They're a little more 3D um, rendered than the older ones, which was slightly flatter, which is funny because I feel like we're going from something that was more iconic to more skeuomorphic when it's. Rendered. They're kind of going into an uncanny valley a little yeah, bit. Some of them, that's like they're perfect. they're yeah. shinier, like they have more. But they yeah, can show more detail. I think Apple's taking the advantage. The food of, ones are great. Like the food ones really look good, and then some of the other ones, you're just like, why does it need to? I don't know. But like but the, the food, uh, some of the food ones are like mouth watering now. What's the name of the um? Oh, the knife icon. I can never remember. It's actually, it's not a knife. Um, it's a uh, if you look at it. Oh gosh, I can never remember how to type. See, I'm using I use um, uh, text expander, and I use uh, oh, what is it called? Uh, uh, I'm blanking on the name. Snaps Pro, uh, Launch Pro. Sorry, Launch Bar. Launch Bar. I'll get the name eventually, which lets me type in emoji, but you have to type them in with the exact name. So you can't type in poo. You have to type in pile to get the match in launch bar mm, yes. and the uh, oh, hocho it's a hocho it's a versatile knife that's commonly used in kitchens in japan i think we have a hocho also no way you have to type kitchen. that you have to type in hocho and i never remember <laughs> this i know it's silly it, and it's funny because if you use uh, apple's emoji selector you can use the search feature and just type in knife and it has more matches but the uh the thing i was uh realizing like even when you look at that in the new drawing um, it shows like it has those rivets on the handle. Yep. The previous one was was more simplified. So everything, mm -hmm. I mean, not exactly everything, but it's it's funny to see the evolution of a of symbolic uh, expression that's tempered by the uh, rendering capability of the devices on which it's shown. Floppy disks have never looked better, though. I got to say, you know, <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm ready for those floppies. Um, yeah, they even redrew like the VHS cassette. Which is just like, who even uses the VHS cassette emoji, and why does it need to look a little different? I actually think the old one looks a little more like a VHS cassette, but I haven't seen a VHS cassette in years because, come on, like I even feel weird saying VHS cassette. Like that's just, yeah. So like these are, yeah, they're pretty good. Uh, like the 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 candle like is dripping wax now. There's there's so many little subtle changes, but they they went for realism. I think I a great. It. I think either the best job or the worst job would be working on an emoji design team because um, every you know Facebook has it. I think Twitter has its own. Doesn't it have its own native? Yeah, emoji. Um, Facebooks are terrible. I don't like Facebooks. Facebooks are so ugly. And I feel bad. You know, the, I think our friends at uh, at um, make Tweetbot at uh, um, I'm blanking on the company's Catbots. name. No, it's no, no, not those folks. It's uh, Icon Factory. I think Icon Factory oh, did a set of Facebook Twitter ones, but I, I don't know if it's Facebook for the website or if it's a different set. But I, um, I, yeah, I feel like there's a lot of quality variation. And then like the Samsung ones are really weird sometimes. But so I don't know if it would be like a great job. Like you would just spend all of your time like looking at drawings and talking about will you be talking about these issues of representation and then you'd have the joy of drawing like well here's what you know here's what this lantern should look like like oh no it shouldn't be that lantern it should be this other lantern oh it's that's amazing um now this came up i was having discussions recently about um about like the difference between uh 
It's like the Steve Jobs level of perfection, right? Oh, oh, I wanted to tell people, this is something I had forgotten. In the last week, uh, this site called Campaign, uh, did you see this, Susie? This is um, about the 10th anniversary of the I'm a Mac, I'm a PC ads. Uh, yeah, I saw some people talking about it. it. It's neat. It's a long two-part um, oral interview with many of the people, including Justin Long and John Hodgman, who were involved in creating or performing in uh, the um, the uh, ads. And I didn't realize it had been 10 years. The ads ran for a few years. And they kind of petered out. They sort of closed it down. But it describes the – I mean, I know Steve Jobs was a maniac. But reading this, they worked on the campaign for – they were trying to find a new campaign. I think they said nine months and every week they're presenting like 10 to 15 fleshed out ideas to jobs, not like sketches or talking, like actually implemented and sometimes even shot as ideas. And he would complain about like reflection on the screen in the, in the you know, the ad comp he was seeing, right? So <laughs> the, the, so it was uh, McCann Erickson. They went, I mean, that sounds like these people almost went out of their minds. And then finally, this one guy working on the campaign um, – had just seen like he had a much younger sister and he went to her school play and he said, I just think it's great where like your part can be a rock. Like you're on stage and you're a kid and you're in like, you know, you're not even dressed up. You're like, I'm a rock. And they started talking about it. They're like, oh, that's it. Someone could just get up there and say, I'm a PC and I'm a Mac. And I thought, I never heard that story before. And how sweet that that's the origin because those ads had an incredible sweetness and friendliness to them. So I recommend folks, uh, I will find the URL and plop it in show notes. Um, but it's, uh, it's, you know, it's a, it's a, a long read, so you got to have some time there. But uh, um, it's, I found it very charming and um, there's some great insight from the uh, uh, not costume designer. I'm forgetting the name of the part. It's like a role. It's a wardrobe stylist, right? The person she was responsible for styling the ads and she did not work with jobs directly, but she had to take the direction via all the other people working with them. And it was things like, I mean, the degree of specificity of what he wanted on what people were wearing is extraordinary. And um, anyway, uh, they would shoot like several commercials in a day, and then some of those would never air. They would had all these guest stars. Um, they had uh, James Carville and other people did guest spots, and those just never met Steve Jobs' uh, you know uh, threshold. And so he didn't. They didn't air. So anyway, incredible story about what I think is still a charming thing. And the the. Uh, the thing I'll bring up is just that, like, whatever comes away from those ads thinking, I think, at a certain age is John Hodgman was the more sympathetic one. Yeah. <laughs> it's a funny campaign where you're like, well, I feel bad for PC. It's like, oh, no, I'm supposed to feel that Mac is cool. But Mac was always, Mac was, you know, a yeah, slightly no, Hodgman was the heart. Like, he, yeah. Mac was the straight guy. Like, he wasn't, yeah. That's true. I mean, like, you got what they were trying to tell you, but, it, like, you, they were only good because of, because the PC guy was so it's funny. It's true. And it's amazing. Apparently, they, uh, Steve Jobs saw Justin Long in Herbie, fully loaded, and said, A, I want to see Steve Jobs watching that movie in the theater or whatever. And B, he said, the movie's terrible, but Justin Long is an up-and-comer. He's going to be a star someday. We need to get him. He's the right person. <laughs> And you're like, okay. And he was right, right? I mean, Justin Long's terrific. He's a good actor, very interesting guy, um, very big heart person, clearly, from all the stuff I've read about what he says and does. And they were auditioning, and Hodgman was not an actor. He'd been on The Daily Show at that point a bit. And he said they called him up to do an audition. He's like, you know, can you come out tomorrow to – he lives in New York. He had kids. He's like, can you come out tomorrow to shoot an audition in L.A.? And he said, no, look, I'm in my 30s. I have children. I can't drop everything. I'm like, okay. They called back and said, could you come out the day after tomorrow? And he said, no, I really – you know. And they called back and say, 
if you have the job, can you come out the day after tomorrow? And he's like, okay, I didn't realize I was negotiating, but sure, we'll make that work. So they basically cast them before they were ever together. I mean, gave them the jobs. And apparently, practically from the first moment on camera together, they had that chemistry. They just fit, and uh, it's neat. So anyway, I, it's funny. I love those ads more than I think any other ad campaign because it spoke to me so personally. It just felt like this is sort of my people, my thing. So I'm glad to read you know, this really neat history of it. Um, perhaps that is where we end it for this week. Is there anything yeah. else we should discuss? No, All that's right. good. I'm going to drop in to the show notes, folks, so you'll be able to find it, the campaign uh, thing here. And um, let's see. So what do we got going on next week? We don't expect anything, which means it'll probably be a crowded week <laughs> to talk about. So we'll be back next week, and then we'll be off the week between Christmas and New Year's. We will not have a podcast. I know you'll miss us, but it's okay. There are 70,000 other podcasts you can listen to in the meantime while we're away. Um, but join us next week. And Susie, great to talk to you as always. Yeah, nice to talk to you, Glenn. Pleasure. And uh, I have been and remain Glenn Fleischman, uh, your stalwart uh, podcast host. And this has been episode 538 of the Macworld Podcast for December 14th, 2016. Join us next week, but not the week after. But then again, join us the week after that. And thanks for listening.